Welcome to the How Did You Get Into That podcast. Each week, we want to bring you an inspiring interview or encouraging message to help you find and do work you love. Now, here's your host, Grant Baldwin. What is up, my friends? Welcome to another episode of How Did You Get Into That. My name is Grant. Great to have you here. Hope you're doing well. Hope you're feeling good. And I'm feeling good today. Excited to bring today's show to you. Hey, before we get into today's episode and guests, hey, I want to let you know, we've had a lot of people that have emailed us and asked us about uh, coaching. Grant, I want to start a business or I've got a business going. I just need a kick in the pants. I need some accountability. I need some help and some assistance. We are here. We're going to offer a limited amount of coaching available starting right away. We've got a few. We're going to open up 10 spots for coaching. We've had several of those already taken. So if you want in on this as we get started with the new year, now is your opportunity. So you can find more information, details, check out, see if it's a fit for you at grantbaldwin.com slash coaching. Again, that's grantbaldwin.com slash coaching. So check that out. All right, let's get into today's guest. We've got my friend Joseph Michael. This is a guy who become a really, really good friend. We're in a mastermind together. He's a guy who's working kind of a corporate gig. Yeah, felt all right about it, but not really. Finally, decided, you know what? I see this opportunity in the market to create this training tool. So he built this training tool about a subject that at the time he knew little about, but he taught himself and has created a resource that's been super, super helpful on a very niche topic. So let's get into it. Here's my interview with Joe. What is up, my friends? Welcome to another episode of How'd You Get Into That? Today, we are joined by one of my good friends on the planet, Joseph Michael. Joe has quickly become a really good friend of mine and just an all-around good dude, entrepreneur, and a guy who really started and created a business from a a teaching software tool, kind of a niche tool that has really grown and really created a business and lifestyle for him. So excited to get into his story and journey today. So Joe, what is up, my man? Grant, what's going on? I'm so glad to be here. Dude, always good to connect. We were joking before we started recording here that we could spend hours and hours just chit-chatting like a couple of schoolgirls, but we figured we better make a good interview for the people. Yeah, we'll try to polish it up a little bit. A little bit, a little bit. There's only <laughs> so much editing bit. we can do. Right. So uh, let's start with this. You built your business primarily based on this one product called Scrivener, which is a tool for writers and authors. So tell us about what Scrivener is and tell us about what you've created to kind of help support that. Okay, sure. So Scrivener, the best way to know how to describe it is like Microsoft Word on steroids. It was like this word processor program designed to help authors, writers, like structure their books with amazing amount of detail and research and all this kind of stuff. But since its origin, I think it's really branched out into like a tool for bloggers and writers of any kind, which is why I started using it in the beginning because I started out as a blogger and writing two different blogs and I needed a way to organize my content, which Scrivener is like a dream come true for people who love to have their stuff organized. And so I was using it. I saw a need, you know, in the market. I'm sure we will touch and get into a little deeper, but there was no legitimate training course on it. There was no like organized knowledge in like a really useful way. And so I said, Hey, I think I could create something that would help people. And long story short, I did. And it's helping a lot of people and it's kind of been life changing. It's crazy. It seems like it's been a bit surreal. It has. Yeah. Sometimes I still have to pinch myself. Like, did this really all just happen? It really worked out. Like this was one of those cases where it works out like you would hope it would. Right. <laughs> like, right, right. Like it plays rare. out in the movie. 
Yeah, exactly. So it's a course that basically that teaches people the ins and outs of Scrivener because I bought Scrivener, I own Scrivener, and it can be a complicated tool. And I think it's probably safe to say it's it would be similar to like a Microsoft Word in that you know most people who use like a Microsoft Word they're probably only using like five or ten percent of what it's capable of. And so being able to show the bells and whistles and the tricks of the trade, like just make workflows smoother and to make the whole process smoother within Scrivener, you know, there's definitely a need there. Totally. Like it comes down to like a power tool. I often relate it to a power tool. Like it's great. It's got all this power, but if you don't know how to use it, it's pretty much worthless. Like you may as well pick up your screwdriver. So with Scrivener, it's super powerful. And the number one thing I hear all the time is people say, I know I'm not using it to its full potential. Like that's almost everybody feels that way. I felt that way when I first started it up. There's all this potential sitting at your fingertips, but unless you know what to do with it, how to make it work for you and your style, then it's kind of useless. You may as well just use Microsoft Word. So my courses, I've really dug in deep to learning styles and what you can do with it, how to increase your output. And we've just heard some amazing stories from people who finished their work, you know, that were stuck before and just learned all kinds of different workflows. And so it's something I created that I wish I would have had when I was trying to learn it. Because like I'm a app tech geek kind of guy. And I remember opening this app up and being like, okay, so what do I do with it now? You know, and I think a lot of people feel that way and they end up just putting it back on their virtual shelf and forgetting about it. So yeah, it's kind of changed the game. Yeah. And I think that's one thing you hear a lot from people who, whenever they're starting a business or even just some type of little side hustle that creates something that kind of scratches your own itch or solves your own problem. Absolutely. That's where it's all at. And a lot of people don't realize how much we really want somebody to just like tell us what to do. I remember thinking this a lot, like, I wish I had somebody just over my shoulder showing me like, okay, what do I do with this? Show me how to maximize it. And so that was my whole philosophy with the course. It was just like extreme handholding, like just watch over my shoulder. It's a screencast course. So like you're watching my screen as I'm explaining and I'm pretty much taking the thinking element out of it. So I tell people like, you don't have to think, just watch what I do and do it. Click here, do this, and you're going to increase your writing speed and get so much more done. So it's kind of cool. It's fun. Cool. Well, let's backtrack a little bit. What were you doing before you got into this? So I had a corporate job. I was at Isle of Capri Casinos Corporation, actually, for eight years. I wasn't on the casino floor. A lot of people were like, oh, man, how did you resist the slots and all that? It's like, (laughs) no, 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 no. It was corporate office. Total. It was just, you know, we had all the the high-end people there. It was finance, accounting, that kind of thing. Regular office building. I was in kind of jack of all trades, really, but I did a lot for marketing, did a lot for design. We did a lot of like print work, stuff like that. So I had my love of Photoshop and all that kind of stuff I got to work with on my day job and learn how to put together training material, train a lot of employees, which later on I found out becomes a useful skill online. So I did that for, yeah, a good eight years and then, you know, had other corporate jobs before that. And did you like it at that with doing the casino gig? Um, you know, I did. I was, I was thankful for my job. I was a little frustrated that I felt like there was always a cap on the ability that I had to work harder, didn't necessarily translate into promotions all the time. Or, you know, of course we were affected by the whole economy deal started in 2008 and it was like, Oh, sorry, you were just not even getting our 3% raise this year. Great. So I just got frustrated and I've always been the entrepreneurial type to want to you know, if I want to work more, I want to see more of that come back to me. So right. I was always looking. So eight years of just kind of feeling like, eh, it's all right. 
at the time though, even before you got into that, were you wanting to do something just kind of marketing design and just try to be that jack of all trades, just trying to find the right fit? Or how long are you there before you're starting to feel like, that's fine. It pays the bills, but this isn't really what I want to do long-term. Yeah. See, I struggled for a long time with that. I was the guy who was like, someday I'll figure out what I want to be when I grow up. You know, it was like, I always envied those people who were like, I'm going to be a doctor. I'm going to be a teacher. I'm going to be, you know, I was like, I wish I had that. I wanted to know what I wanted to be because I really didn't. I was just following the crowd of people who said, get your business management degree. You know, you've got to work and just work your way up the ladder. Maybe you'll get to management one day. And I would do that whole exercise where I would look at people who were 10 or 20 years down the road for me and I would see where they were at. And I was like, wasn't all that impressed with it. I was like, I don't know if I want that life. But at the same time, I didn't know what to do about it either. So I was just always working and keeping my eyes open. I did try a few different like entrepreneurial things on the side that um, that didn't phase out really well. I got burned out and I really got to the point where I almost gave up to where like I remember being like around, you know, 25 ish or so and just being like, OK, like, I guess this is just what I'm gonna have to do. I, like, I got to yeah. suck it up. This isn't, you know, reality is not chase your dreams, do what you're passionate about. I'm just going to have to get comfortable in a day job, you know, corporate world forever. And, and I was just going to say, there's, like, there's so many people that I think that are in that exact spot because I get yeah. it. I hear from a lot of them. I get a lot of emails of people that are like, I'm doing this job. It's okay. It pays the bills. I should, you know, I'm thankful for that, but it's not really what I want to be doing, but I don't really know what I'd rather be doing. And so it's not like, you know, I'm doing this thing, but I really want to be doing that thing. It's just like, I don't even know what that thing is over there. Uh, so it sounds like you're kind of in that spot for a few years. Totally. Yeah. For quite a long time. It was frustrating. So are you doing anything to, you mentioned you tried a couple things or what kind of entrepreneurial thing or just little side things are you trying? So like, you know, I did some network marketing things and then for a while I thought, well, this was before like real estate market crashed and all that, but I was like, maybe I'll get my real estate license and try selling homes. I did get my license and then I realized I hated the whole process of doing that, <laughs> like yeah. spending all these times with clients and then they end up going with somebody else or whatever. <laughs> I'm like, I don't have this personality. <laughs> then I was like, well, maybe I need to get into the whole like, you know, flipping homes business and, you know, <laughs> inv- I don't know. You just always hear like real estate's where it's at. Yep. You know, that's yeah, for some. But I think you really have to take your personality into account when you're thinking about what you want to do. And I didn't really do that with real estate. I was like, you know. I was just chasing the money, which I always had this theory of people were like, you got to do what you love. And I was like, well, I'll love it if they pay me enough. So <laughs> there's no problem there. But it's really not true. So yeah, I did a couple things where I was always trying to test like, okay, well, what am, what am I good at? What are my strengths? I would do all those you know, self-assessments. And I ended up figuring out like, okay, I had this really good skill. I was resourceful. And I hated that. I was like, oh, what in the world am I going to do with that? I'm resourceful. <laughs> Whoopee. Like, like if somebody asked me for, you know, direction someplace, I'm the guy who would like give them the best printout in colors with turn by turns and drawings like I could make That's something awesome. really good. But I couldn't figure out how to translate that into a marketable like skill. So that was the journey. And I think it starts with figuring out, honestly, I go back to what are you passionate about? What do you enjoy? And then it's kind of reverse engineering how you can market that and the online world has changed the game for everybody with that. Well, I think that's super helpful for people to hear that, like in your case, it wasn't like, you know, I'm doing this deal. It's okay. This corporate gig, but I'm really, really passionate about this very specific niche thing. You know, it was like, no, I'm, 
I'm resourceful. And that can look a lot of different ways. That can translate into a career, a business, or whatever, in a variety of different ways. And I think there's a lot of people that feel like that. Like, I'm passionate about animals. Well, great, you know, but there's a lot of things that you could do with that, which is good and bad. I mean, at least in one sense, you're starting to at least identify what some of those skill sets are. And so you're taking a step in the right direction. But most people, like they don't even take the time to figure out what am I passionate about? What am I good at? What do I enjoy doing? And that's, you know, we're in a a mastermind together. So we've talked a lot about this offline, but this new course we're doing, Clarity Course, is about that issue of helping people figure out what are you passionate about? What are you good at? What do you enjoy doing? And how do these things translate into a career? And kind of doing some of that soul searching of figuring out how can I contribute and how can I put something together that actually I can make a living from, you know, beyond just doing this job right now that it pays the bills, but it's not necessarily what I want to do long term. Yeah, it's so important. I mean, I wish you would have had this clarity course out like five years ago. I would have been so much further ahead because it really is a process. I mean, you've got to learn how to ask yourself the right questions and you maybe don't even know what those are. It does take some searching, some digging. I, I don't have to pay you for saying that, right? <laughs> no, that was totally unsolicited. <laughs> all right, all right. Okay, so you're doing the casino for eight years or so. Why did you start something with Scrivener? Because again, Scrivener's this niche tool. You know, It's not like this really common thing outside of authors and writers and bloggers in that space. So why did you decide to kind of go down the path with such a niche tool? Yes, this is kind of a funny story because even though we're just talking about finding your passion and all that, some would think, oh, well, he must, writing must be his passion. And it's like the furthest thing from the truth. Writing has always been my biggest struggle. I used to say, like, I hate writing. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because kind of some of my friends joke, they know how much I hated like writing assignments in college and things like that. And now here I am making this tool for writers and I'm totally in that world. And one of the things I was going to say that relates to this is you can't be afraid to pivot or change course a little bit and the way you package up your passion might be a little bit different. So I found out like being resourceful and teaching goes along with that. So I really like the teaching part. I like to be able to help somebody with my information. And so that's what I get to do with this course. Now, I didn't think it was going to be through Scrivener exactly when I started. Right. I started with a blog called Efficient Life Skills still out there today. It does really well. And it's an efficiency productivity blog. That was like what I was interested in. All growing up, I always read self-help books. I was the guy who was cutting the grass as a teenager listening to Tony Robbins and Zig Ziglar. Yep, yep. So I felt like I had a lot of information there. And when I first started, that was the best way to go, right? Like start with what you knew something about. So I started with that. Couldn't really figure out a good way to monetize that or something. You know, I was just kind of lurking. But I was taking action. So that's the important part is it's not enough to just think and self-analyze. Like You've got to just start stepping out. And taking action. So I started with a blog. I started putting stuff out there that I was interested in. And then I started learning about needs and watching people with their pain points and what they struggled with and started studying product creation. And I really found out that people will pay for problems to be solved. And I just happened to stumble across this Scrivener problem because I was using the software myself. I followed a lot of influential bloggers, one of them being Michael Hyatt, who ended up writing about Scrivener and why he was started to use it for all of his writing. And I was like, cool, I follow Michael Hyatt. Now he's validating this cool tool that I'm using Scrivener, right? And Mm -hmm. I start reading the comments on this blog post. And it was very much similar to what I heard everywhere was, yeah, I tried Scrivener, but like we talked about, like, I couldn't figure out what to do with it. I gave up on it. Learning curve was tough. I wish there was a course on it. And I was like, wait a minute wait, there's not a course on this thing? And I was like, yeah, I wish there was too. There was, 
you know, there's some YouTube videos like this guy had a great video, but the audio was poor and this guy had, you know, vice versa. Wasn't anything really structured. And at this time I was looking of a problem that I could solve. Like I knew, okay, I'm resourceful. I can solve somebody's problem through teaching. And this was a journey too of like a year and a half. And so by that time it was just kind of, hmm, maybe I could create that. And I was really naive then, which is okay because yeah. like I thought like I'll create this in three weekends. Uh, so I didn't know that everything takes like three times longer than you think it does, but it's a learning process. And right. so I just started creating what I wish I would have had, just birthed out of looking for a problem to solve. And I remember when it started to become successful, you know, an- another friend of ours, Andy Traub, he said, you're going to be known as the Scrivener coach because you're solving a huge problem. You're helping people with this big pain. And I was like, no, I'm, I'm the efficiency guy over here. I got this productivity blog, you know, Scrivener right. coach. That's not what I had planned. And it was like, well, too bad. Like, this is going to get you from point A to point B. And yeah. it's like, that's what I always tell people is it might not come in the package you think it is. It might look a little bit different. But you've just got to kind of go with it a little bit. You've got to go through some doors that you might not previously have done and experiment. I mean, when you fast forward to today, I mean, Learn Scrivener Fast has been a great tool for you. It's really changed your business, changed your life. But yeah, when you're in the midst of it and you're just starting to build something, I mean, it sounds like it's not like, oh, I got it. I'm going to build this course because I saw a couple of people comment on it and that's going to be my golden ticket. And that's how I'm going to sail off into the sunset and leave this corporate gig. It's just like, I see a need. I like mm-hmm. being resourceful. I like teaching. I have this own need uh, to solve this. So let's try something. And I like what you said, you know, and that's something we, you know, you and I talk a lot about offline is just trying something, just taking action, just shipping it and seeing what happens. So it sounds like you're just doing this on the side. It's just kind of, let's just see where it goes. But it's not like this grand plan of this is going to be my golden ticket in the future. Yeah, I think we all wish it were that way. We all want to be, we're searching for that. Ah, this is it. And this is what I'm going to do. And this is what's totally going to make sense. And I don't think most of us aren't gifted with that knowledge at first. It's through a process. Yeah. Like I really do kind of believe somewhat of the, you know, throw enough stuff against the wall and it'll stick. But I think it has to be at least throw some intelligent stuff against the wall, not just anything. But it was more targeted. And I always tell people, view yourself as a scientist. Like, experiment. Know that you're experimenting. And that way, it takes off this pressure of failure. Like, this is my everything. Like, just say, (laughs) let's experiment with this. Let's see how it goes. Let's see what I'm going to learn from this. Whether it succeeds or whether it's going to fail, it's going to be a stepping stone for me. And that's kind of what I viewed this as was, well, I'm going to learn how to create a course by going through this process regardless of whether this is it or it's something else. I'll learn a lot in the process. I'll learn how to package my information and I can use that for something else. Right. And so the pressure was off. And, you know, as soon as I started getting that feedback, that changes everything. But it's hard in the beginning because you really do just kind of have to go off gut, you know, like especially that first six months of creating, I still didn't know if it was going to, you know, I wish I would have known what it was going to be today. It would have been totally motivating, but there was no way to know that. Well, and I think that's the case with anything, you know, like you just don't know until you get it out there. And so you try something and it may work. And I like the way you frame it as, as a scientist or as an experiment, because an experiment may be great and wow, that totally worked or an experiment may blow up in your face, but you don't know unless you try it. And so sometimes we just, we kind of get in our own heads too much and think, well, you know, what if it doesn't work? If it doesn't work, then, or if there's a chance it's not going to work, I, I may as well not even try because I, I don't want to even risk that failure. 
Exactly. And I learned this the hard way, but I'm glad I learned it. Even so, like the this whole scientist analogy is when I was looking for a product to create or monetize, ebooks were like really big, you know, a couple of years ago. And I guess they're still big, but it was all about ebooks. So I was like, okay, I got to create an ebook, right? And I was trying to create an ebook for efficient life skills. And it was just purely based on what I thought people wanted. And I created this ebook. I spent like three months, you know, writing it, designing it, pretty much put everything else on hold. And then I just assumed people were going to want it, right? Well, like nobody bought it. Nobody. And I was like, what? Like, where did I miss the mark here? What's going on? And I realized, okay, let's research about purchasing and why people purchase and all this kind of stuff. And that led me to the mindset of people buy things to solve problems. You have to do market research, like all this stuff. Like you can't just make what you think people want. You have to go find out what they're actually asking what they actually want. So that totally changed the game for me when thinking about how to package up my information. And that's why I discovered and found Scrivener because I was already looking for, okay, here's a pain that people have and then can you solve it? And I would have never found that or discovered that if I hadn't failed miserably with that first ebook experiment. Right, right. But I also like too that you were... Like uh, looking for those needs and looking for opportunities to solve people's pain was on your radar. So yes. whenever you're reading comments in a random blog post, it's not just like, oh, well, all these people are frustrated. Oh, well. But it's like, wow, all these people, all these people are frustrated and they're looking for something that doesn't exist. Why couldn't I be the guy that creates that thing? And so just having that frame of reference or that filter to when you look at things, look at it through the lens of what is the pain here that I could potentially solve? Is this a pain that I want to solve? Because I mean, there's, there's plenty of pains that exist in the world. It doesn't mean you should solve them all. But being able to say like, this is a pain that I feel like I could personally solve. This is a pain that I personally have. And I feel like I could do something about. Absolutely. I love the way you just put that because it's so true. It's There's a difference of reading blog comments and reading stuff just through, I don't know, just regular consumption mode versus when I was reading things, I was like, okay, I know I can teach something. I don't know what yet. I don't know how I'm going to package it yet. But let me look and read things knowing that I have the skill of teaching. I can, I know what I like. I know what I know about. And so start like, I view it almost as putting on physical glasses of like, okay, here's my skills. Here's what I think I'm good at. Now let me just read and kind of consume stuff and see what pops out at you. Look for problems. And then the second you see this pain and this problem, then you start to ask yourself, okay, could I solve this? Would I be passionate about solving this? And you know, you start going through this process. And then if you're starting to get a lot of yes answers, and you know, it's like, well, can I learn something by experimenting with this? Right. And you always can. So it's baby step. Let's talk about the, the timeline for a second. You mm-hmm. you see the comments within the blog post from Michael Hyatt. See, the, maybe there's a need there. I've kind of got this own issue myself, so let's see if we can scratch our own itch. How long did it take you to actually create the, the course itself? Took me about eight months. And you're, I mean, you're, you're doing all this on all on the side, weekends, evenings, mornings. This is not like your day job. Totally, yeah. I had a day job, a wife, kids. Like there was, there was no spare time. <laughs> you have responsibility. I, yeah, exactly. So this was totally built on my lunch breaks. It was built, you know, waking up at 5 a.m. before going to work. If there was an extra hour or two at night, it was giving up, you know, TV shows to work on this. So, I mean, it takes you eight months to do this. And so by the time it's finished, when would this have been in the timeline? This was, I guess, finished per se when I felt like it was finished. I right. Sort of. I like. I still don't ever feel like it's totally finished. <laughs> right, right, right. Because <laughs> us perfectionists, we can always tweak it to death. So... Like January, pretty much January of 2014. Okay, so January 2014. So about a year ago or so, that mm-hmm. it comes out. And what's the immediate reaction? Is it selling? Are people buying it? What's the feedback you're getting? Talk us through that. 
Yeah. So the whole time I was creating, I was getting feedback because I felt like that was the only logical step was I was interacting with people on Twitter. I'd found out that, okay, for some reason, a lot of writers and people who use Scrivener, they're on Twitter. So you have to find out where the people are hanging out that you're making something for. So I, as I would like make a module, then I would invite people in to look at it and say, you know, what do you think of this? Is this helpful? Is it what else would you like to see in it? And so this was a process in I didn't know what I was doing then. It just seemed logical to me. Now I look back and think, well, of course, like that's so important. But it's a step that a lot of people miss. Right. And I kind of learned that from failing with that ebook because I was like, I don't want to make the same mistake of building something or creating something that people don't really want. And so I was getting such good feedback from people looking at it and they're like, this is a resource that needs to be out there. Like, this is so great. Could you include something on this and include something on that? And so I was just building it along that whole time. Then when I finally had it more polished and was ready to like release it, and I say release it was like, you know, emailing some friends who had audiences and like, you know, can you help me spread the word and making official like announcements of it. It was just great. I kept getting better and better feedback from it. A lot of it, too, was the design. So I did spend some time researching learning styles and what people liked. I wanted it to be more of an experience, too. Right. And I bought like four or five different courses in different niches to figure out, okay, how are people laying out their courses? You know, what's it look like? What do I like about it? What's the look and feel? And then I made this mashup and used my own creativity to put this out there. And people were loving the look and feel. They were loving the experience. They were loving the content. So that gave me more confidence to push it harder, which is great. And that's where you need to be. I started out with a very low price point of $39. I was totally afraid to charge a price for it. (laughs) Even so much afraid, like I used Gumroad just to get a link out there and I would charge $39, but then I would make a coupon code for $39 off. And that's how, (laughs) because I was still afraid to charge. And so that's how I originally would contact people was like, hey, here's a free pass to come in and evaluate it. Give me your feedback. Right. And it really worked. People were like, oh, thanks. You know, they felt like they were getting something, but really I was just too afraid to charge. (laughs) (laughs) And it was this process of, you know, gaining more confidence. People were loving it. I was gaining testimonials. And then so it was like, okay. And a lot of people were like, you need to charge double for this. Like, I would pay triple for this. And they I kept raising the price. People still kept saying it, still kept adding content. And so then over the course of a few more months, I just refined it. And it's grown into this massive, completely polished resource that I'm totally proud of today. And it's literally changed my life. How long was it when, so you worked eight months to create it, you launch it in January. At what point was there enough coming in from it and you had enough traction to quit your job? Yeah. So then things started to change because word got out and I was trying to be purposeful about building connections. You know, I learned a lot about influence and audiences. So I was trying to build connections with people who had the audience that I wanted. I was introducing it with webinars, which would bring a flood of new people in. I would teach for an hour on a webinar show all the best stuff I possibly could about Scrivener, like stuff that would be totally game-changing for people. And then they got a taste of my teaching style, and then I would introduce the course to them, and everybody was starting to become these raving fans. And then people like Michael Hyatt started to notice. I got to help him with a Scrivener question, and then I had the opportunity for him to see the course. And then, of course, when Michael Hyatt tweets something, People really listen. And so I had people emailing me saying, hey, this must be cool, you know, so what's going on? And little by little, I started to share, spread the word. And then it started to snowball. And like, this is something I was not prepared for. It was like, I don't know, if it was like one or two months, it just, everything started like doubling and tripling. And it got to the point where 
it was like doubling and tripling the amount of income I was making in my day job pretty consistently. Hmm. I just thought it was maybe a fluke at first. Sure. You know, like, this is great, but there's no way this, <laughs> this, this won't last keep going, right? Like, but it did. And then I found out that I was drowning in emails and people were contacting me for interview requests. And like, all of a sudden, I couldn't keep up with everything. And then it was like, do I really need this day job? Like, what? else could I do if this was, you know, and I started, because at this point, I was never thinking I could, I'm going to create something, it's going to replace my day job income, you know, it's going to change my life, none of that, it was, I need an extra 300 bucks a month to help my family pay down some debt, that was it, you know, and then you're, you start to expand your thinking, and then I started reading more people's success stories, and yeah, you just, little by little, you grow, and iterate, and so today, yeah, today I've since, you know, I've quit my day job a few months ago. I think I made my entire year salary in like one month, the first month that I, you know, decided to quit. So that That's was crazy. reassuring. <laughs> that helps. Yeah, exactly. So and now I'm, you know, I'm on track to double and triple again next year. So yeah. That's wild. That's so cool. So for someone that may be listening to this, who's going, okay, I've got this idea and I'm tinkering with it. I'm playing with it. I don't even know if it's going to work. I don't even know if it's going to gain any traction. And I'm debating whether or not to even do it. It's nice to just keep it in the cave and not to let it out. I don't even know if I want to mess with it. What would you say to someone that may be listening in that spot? Uh, You've got to get it out. (laughs) Like You don't start learning until you put something out there. That's the second that you start learning, you start getting ideas momentum starts to build. Once you start that momentum, I mean, there's, there's really nothing that can stop you. And you've got to get some feedback. Like you have to get real feedback from people. And if you can get over that fear of charging for something, like that's one thing I wish I would have done sooner. It's just got the guts to actually charge because that's really when you know you've got something. If somebody's willing to exchange their dollars for it, then you know. And then you can start expanding. Right. So, but you've got to just sooner or later, it just comes to you've got to try something. You've got to put something out there. That's the only way you're going to learn. Well, especially, I think that it's relatable for you and that you, I mean, you said you're a perfectionist. So, when you're putting something out, the first iteration of it is not going to be perfect. And it's probably not even near perfect. And even now, like it's been out, it's done well, really well, but still, it's like, yeah, but I, I want to tweak it and I want to make it. So, if you had that mentality from the beginning of, well, it's never going to be perfect. So, why even try? You would never be at this point today. So, you just just start somewhere and you get it out and you can improve on it, whatever that thing is, whether again, whether it's a a course or whether it's a book or whether it's a a product or whether it's a podcast or a blog or whatever, you start somewhere and you can make these incremental tweaks and improvements as you go, but you'll never be able to make any of those incremental tweaks or improvements if you don't get something version A out of the door in the first place. So important. And it's a lesson we have to constantly remind ourselves. Like I still have to remind myself of that to this day, like we all, of course we want everything to be perfect and we compare our starting things to other people's like finished products, right? Right, We always do this and we're like, oh, it's got to match this or that. And my first video and keep in mind, like the videos I've done for my course, there's like a hundred something in there, but they're all bite sized. So they're like three to five minute videos. Yeah. My first couple took me like two days to create, (laughs) like, you know, a three minute video. Exactly. A three minute video. I would shoot it and then I don't like that. Reshoot it. I didn't say that right. And then, you know, edit to where there was like 20 seconds left and then it's like ah start all over and then i hate the way i sound you know let's try to fix my voice in post or you know you you don't like the way you look on video it's like all these things are constantly holding us back and i remember reading something somewhere that was like get the mentality that just create something put it out there that you know is going to be helpful for now let people know it's version one 
you can always go back and tweak it and fix it later. Yeah. So I was like, okay, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to just put the information out there first, and then I will go back and I'll fix these when I have more time. And some of those first few videos, they're still there today. Like I never had the <laughs> never had the time to go back and fix them, I guess. But I realized that people were commenting saying, these are great. Like this is so helpful. Nobody has said the quality is terrible or I just can't get through this. You know, we're our own worst critic. Yep. Yep. And so I, I didn't have an expensive mic back then either. Like you gotta start where you're at. I bought a blue snowflake microphone. USB mic, put it on my computer, didn't have a pop filter. I put a put a sock over it. You know, you just work with what you got and get version one out there. Yep. So true. I remember seeing the pictures of the sock and the water bottle. And uh, I remember I remember you recorded some of it in your car, like in a lunch break, right? Uh, while you were at the casino? Yeah, I did. So I would try to like sneak away to like a conference room or something and like, you know, on my lunch break and start recording. And sure enough, you know, somebody would bust in and like, hey, we have this reserved. And it's like, all right, how am I going to create this in my spare time, you know, and yeah. I, I read something about somewhere saying that like a car is actually a really good for acoustics and recording because it's like got all this, you know, sound absorption material in there. Right. I was like, all right. I have a laptop. I got my little USB microphone. I could probably do that. So I would go climb into the back seat because I had more room, you know, I'd push the seats way up forward. <laughs> <laughs> Just I would sit in there and kind of made it a, a pattern of knocking out one to two tutorials on a lunch break and it's frustrating at first when we want to like we want to automatically be to you know point B quicker, but yep. Yep. those incremental you know steps they they really do add up. Yeah, and that's one thing we talk a lot about on the show is that on the A to Z spectrum. You see people that are at Z. You know, you get a successful course, you're able to quit your job, you made your salary in one month. That's that's the sexy part. That's the glamorous part. But nobody sees like when you're in a in the car in the back seat on lunch break. <laughs> recording and talking into a mic with a sock over your mic. That's what you have to work with at the point. You know, you just have to start there. You just start somewhere and uh, kind of figure it out as you go. But if you wait until the, the conditions are right, until everything's perfect or everything's aligned, you'll never do anything. Yeah. And some days you're not going to feel it. I remember certain days walking out there and actually feeling like a loser, like in right. my car with my laptop and my, you know, I'm like, what am I doing? You know, like <laughs> this is ridiculous. Everybody else is going out and enjoying a nice lunch or whatever. And like, am I wait? You know, you're constantly bombarded with these thoughts. You know, am I wasting my time? You know, is this taking too long? Is anybody even going to want this? And it's like, it's a struggle. Like, but other days you get in there and you're like, oh, it's going to be the greatest thing ever. I'm so motivated. Yep. But, but the key is just be consistent and stay at it for a while. You know, just whether you feel it or not, just keep doing it. Uh, that's the only thing I can say. And then just don't worry about the time it's going to take. Like, there's a saying you hear all the time, right? Even if somebody's, let's say, they're 40 years old and all of a sudden they want to make a career change. They know they might have to go back and get, let's say, four more years of education, right? And they're like, I don't have the four years. To t you know, it's going to take too long to be this. So I've got to stick where I'm at. Right. Well, the, the thing we forget is those four years, they're going to come no matter what. And like at the end of those four years, are you going to still be in the same position you were? Or let's say you actually took action, did something about it. Then at the end of those four years, you're going to be happy you did something, right? So regardless of how long it takes... You've got to get that out of your thinking and just think those years, that time, it's going to pass anyway. Right. And you, go, you want to look back and, and say, you know, you're glad you did. Yeah. Instead of you wish you would have. That's a terrible place to be. Totally. Totally. Hey, good stuff, man. Hey, if we want to find out more about you, if we want to check out uh, the course that you've created, where can we go? 
So learnscrivenerfast.com is where the course lives if you want to check out the course there. All my little projects that I'm working on, I'm working on some behind-the-scenes stuff and then kind of blogging about my journey can be found at josephmichael.net. I'm working on a new product creation live, teaching other people how to build courses like I've done because I've gotten a lot of questions about that. It becomes easier to know what people want when they flat out tell you, So, sure. just like you've experienced. And so I'm building some really cool things there and I've, uh, I'm going to put a list of the best resources and things that I've used all the way from my little blue snowflake microphone because mm-hmm. trust me, I still have that today. That Come thing on is now. a kick butt little microphone. To the stuff I use today. So I've got a whole list of tools and resources that I've used to create the stuff I have. And I'm going to put that at josephmichael.net slash grant for your listeners. Anybody who wants to grab that free resource. And Beautiful. So. Yeah, people go uh, check that out. So if you're thinking about doing a course of some kind, if you're intrigued by this idea, maybe you've got some type of skill set, something that people ask you a lot about, then definitely check out the tools and resources that, uh, that Joe's put together. Again, at josephmichael.net slash grant. And we will put that in the show notes as well. So Joe, always good to talk to you, my man. We'll catch up with you again soon. You too, buddy. Thanks for having me. You bet. All right, there you go, my friends. Hope you enjoyed that chit-chat with my friend Joseph Michael of Learn Scrivener Fast. Just, again, all around good, good dude. Big fan of Joe and what he's doing. We try to hang out and chat as much as possible. We are actually, uh, we're in a mastermind together, so we chat every Monday and then lots of times during the week uh, of just comparing notes and just talking shop and talking life. And this is one thing that I did a blog post a couple weeks ago that you can check out at grandbaldwin.com. And we talked about different lessons, 10 lessons that I learned from 2014. And one of them was the value and importance and significance of being involved in a mastermind. And so being able to connect with Joe every week has been really, really valuable for us to, again, you know, just compare notes and see what we're working on and to bounce around ideas. And to have someone that's in your corner is really, really significant and important in life. So great stuff from Joe there. Hope you enjoyed that. Hope, again, that was inspiring and encouraging to you. Hey, one thing I want to let you know that we're doing right now is uh, now that we are starting Starting a new year, and we're uh, we're about uh, let's see seven eight months or so into the podcast now. Still really really enjoying it. Feel like we've got a lot of uh, great interviews and people that we've been able to share their stories and journeys. But I want to get some feedback from you on a couple things. So we are doing a survey right now, just about the podcast. So if you are a regular listener, even if this is your first time, I'd love to hear from you. You can go to grantbaldwin.com/survey. Again, that's grantbaldwin.com/survey. And there we've just got a very short, very brief survey where I could just, uh, I'd love to get your two cents on a couple different things. So if you could head over there, we're also just to incentivize you because I know you're, yeah, I know you're busy. I know you got a lot going on. I know you most likely won't be heading over to do a survey just for the heck of it. Although if you're feeling nice and generous, you're a good person. I like that. I appreciate that. But you can go to again, grandbaldon.com slash survey. And if you fill out the survey at the end of it, we're going to do a giveaway for an Amazon gift card. So, you know, you got a chance to win some coin. I was going to say coin or cash, but it's not even that you're going to win some credit some Amazon credit there. So again, you can go to grantbaldwin.com slash survey. We'd love for you to help us out there. All right. Hey, also, if you haven't had a chance, I'd love for you to subscribe to the show. That way you never miss an episode. You can do that within iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you may listen to podcasts, wherever you're listening to this right now, whatever app or tool you're listening to it on, be sure to subscribe within that tool so that you never miss out on anything and what's coming to you. If you haven't had a chance to leave a rating or review for this show, we'd love to hear from you. It helps other people find out about the show. It really means a lot. I found this one recently. 
from Contra P. Del Mundo. Mundo. Uh, so whoever you may be, thanks for leaving this one. Grant does a great job maintaining a positive energy while instilling a self-belief in overcoming all doubts that an aspiring entrepreneur may have about life. Certainly helped me come to realize that where my life was going and I was not truly happy. Encourage anybody who is unhappy, industrial worker ant, to give it a listen. Clearly verbalize the thoughts buried in the depths of my head in terms of coping with uncertainty and keeping focus on the direction I truly wanted my life to go. So keep up the great work, Grant, and and thank you. And thank you, Contra P. Del Mundo. Where do you people come up with these usernames, these screen names? They're glorious. So, all right, that wraps up this episode, boys and girls. Hey, as always, feel free to email me, grant to grantbalden.com. Feel free to hit me up on the Twitter, at Grant Balden. Anything I can do to help you, support you on your journey to find and do work you love. I am here for you, my friends. All right, we'll talk to you soon. You're awesome. Peace. Thanks for listening to the How Did You Get Into That podcast with Grant Baldwin. Don't forget to visit grantbaldwin.com for all the show notes and links discussed in today's episode. We'll see you next time.